0: Hey everyone, thanks for checking into LJN Radio and the show that takes an inside look into a number of different professions, I Want to Be A, and we'll finish that sentence with a different job in each episode as we bring in professionals from a variety of fields and industries, really giving you all the information you need to hopefully land a job in these professions and thrive in them. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and today I want to be a veterinarian. Many people, of course, love their pets, often like family, but they also need special care. some people might want to be the ones to help out the furry friends. Joining us from New York to talk about his profession is Dr. Douglas Aspros, the president of the American Veterinary Medical Association. Dr. Aspros, thanks for coming on today. My pleasure. Uh, First and foremost, just, you know, if you could give people a little breakdown uh, just about yourself and maybe a little, uh, you know, nutshell, so to speak, of your your career.
1: Sure. I'm a companion animal practitioner. Uh, These days, that's what we talk about um, when we're talking about pets because our our practice uh, takes care of not just dogs and cats, but lizards and reptiles and birds (laughs) and and amphibians. And and, um, if people keep them as pets um, and they're small enough to put in your car, uh, we take care of them.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Uh, Now, I guess, is this something that, I mean, what attracted you to the industry? Is this something that you were interested from the get-go? Did something spark your interest? How did it all sort of come about for you?
1: It's probably hard to know uh, because I've been interested in being a a veterinarian since I was really young. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always loved animals. Even though I grew up in in Queens, New York, and I'm in a small apartment, <laughs> uh, my first pet really was a budgie, uh, and I didn't get that until I was probably 10 years old. Had a couple of a couple of anoles, uh, little little reptiles, and a few hamsters, but that was all of my my real animal experience. But I just knew I was attracted to um, to animals, and and decided that being a veterinarian was the right way to to work with them.
0: So what was it that, I mean, how did you get started then in, in terms of, you know, sort of finding your way into the schooling or, or that, you know, just kind of your your path, even if it was something before college, that kind of thing. What, what sort of, what was sort of your path?
1: So uh, I, w- I was interested, as I said, in, in animals, but also interested in science um, sort of across the board. You know, I'm a, I'm a scientist by nature. I think veterinarians by and large are certainly uh biological sciences for me though um math and physics and and chemistry were all a really a window into the into the world mm-hmm. but i looked at them as while very interesting intellectually um not as interesting thing um emotionally as, sure. as working with animals. So I think I've described it as the animalness of biology that um uh, that was really appealing to me. And then when I was probably still in uh either elementary school or, or, or junior high, read a book about concerned it was a fiction book concerned about an outbreak of uh foot and mouth disease in Canada. And there was a um, it had it had science, it had epidemiology, it had it had cows in it. Um, and, uh, and had a plucky veterinarian, yet young veterinarian who was going to be helpful in, in eradicating, um, this illness in, in cattle in in Canada. And I thought, wow, that's a, that's a great opportunity. And that's Mm -hmm. what I want to do. And that's what I want to do.
0: So then when you're looking into that, and obviously, you know, I'm sure people can take different routes, but if, for those that are listening, what is sort of the educational background you had, or in general, what are people looking at in terms of, I mean, obviously you mentioned the sciences and biology, that sort of thing. I mean, is there a, a direct route to the path that you've taken or, or ones that other people could take?
1: Well, I think it, it's changed a little bit from from my day. Sure. So I, because I loved science um, and I live in New York City, uh, I applied to, took the test for, and got into the Bronx High School of Science because it has that word in it, great high school, probably the best high school in the country, and, uh, and thought that that would be um, a very good Prep for me to apply to the right kind of college, and I think by and large that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do need you do need the background in both the biological and, and physical sciences in order to manage the program at both the pre-veterinary program and uh, certainly a veterinary program. So for me, that was that was the start was to get a, a good basic education in in uh, physical and, and biological sciences. But the next step was to find uh, the right college and. Um, These days, again, it's a little more wide open. People Mm -hmm. find their way into veterinary medicine, sometimes with uh, odd preparations um, in terms of what their undergraduate majors were. But if they do want to uh, and are thinking about applying to veterinary colleges, there certainly are significant um, prerequisites that are not only important but but necessary in order to gain admission. So so sometimes people who who have taken um, other routes to apply to veterinary college find themselves even after um, undergraduate uh, graduation, uh, having to fill in coursework that um, that they never took as part of their their undergraduate
0: major, so I and mean, for those that are listening that, I mean, you would say you need to look into that, no specifics as soon as possible, right? I mean, because if like you said, you don't want to be behind, even though you've maybe been in school for a year or two already, um just to make sure they hit on those. I mean, you're talking more just coursework more than anything with the prerequisites.
1: So two things, and one is one is coursework. Uh, you, know, you certainly don't want to um, these days. It's expensive enough to go to college. You don't want to be continuing to go to college when you could have taken those courses um, as part of your undergraduate education. Mm-hmm. But there are also uh, opportunities and and needs to to have some real world experiences um, uh, when you apply. When I was thinking about applying to to Cornell when I was a high school graduate. It was important, in fact, it was necessary to have at that time both large and small animal um, experiences, and, okay. and Cornell really wanted people to have large animal experiences first, so they didn't wind up in veterinary colleges in the program at a veterinary college and and not really understand what working with large animals is like. Uh, I would suspect that that most of your your listeners um, to this podcast have pets. You know, if you're interested in being a veterinarian,
0: sure.
1: you probably have had pets at some point. And so you have, you know, some, some, some real-world experiences, at least with your own pets. Um, that may be not true um, with your own dairy cow if you didn't grow up a, on a dairy. And, and these days, fewer and fewer people really go through life with, with much um, in, in the way of uh, real-world farm experience. In fact, most of the uh, students in veterinary colleges these days come from the suburbs that's where most people are these days anyway. That's where they grow up. Uh, And so their their experiences with other kinds of uh, species may be very, very limited. And it's not a bad idea to have um, an opportunity to get some experience uh, before you think about applying to veterinary college.
0: Well, and since you brought it up, you know, this idea, you know, small animals, large, uh, I guess, what sort of breakdowns are there in, in terms of the different types of uh, you know, veterinarians that there might be. I mean, is it is it a species thing in some cases? And you talk about birds versus small mammals. I mean, I guess, how does that all play together? Or how do you differentiate what you maybe should be studying or what you are interested in?
1: I think uh, it's surprising how often people who have applied successfully to veterinary colleges start into the program and find as they move through the program that what they thought they would be doing is not what they wind up doing. Hmm. Veterinary medicine has um, has a lot of attractions, and, and one of them is just how broad the scope of eventual activities uh, a graduate veterinarian can get involved in. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, things from from the, the standards, what people kind of understand, uh, because that's what their experiences are with veterinarians, which right. is clinical practice, whether that's whether that's with companion animals whether it's specialty uh, medicine whether it's with birds and exotics uh, whether it's on the farm with dairy cattle or pigs or um, or beef cattle or horses um, but also uh, veterinarians are involved in laboratory animal medicine veterinarians are involved in research programs they work for industry uh, they work for the government they work in public health um, so there, there are there are a lot of opportunities uh, for for uh, veterinarians, both while they're going through school to better prepare themselves for the the actual world, real world uh, roles that they're that they're considering, but it also opens up their eyes uh, to the the range of things they could be doing.
0: No, and, I, and I think that's an important thing that you, you bring up there because there may be someone saying, you know, I, I love to work with animals. I don't want to sit in an office and just, you know, take care of this or that, you know, little, little things that people bring in. But, uh, but you said, you know, research side of things, laboratory, who knows what you could get into. And uh, with those things, are there different requirements then that you have to sort of specify or can you be sort of in that broad, um, you know, degree and still be able to, to, to go in these different areas?
1: Veterinary medicine prides itself in the fact that we're all trained, um, sort of in in a very broad way. Okay. So you you can't um, go through veterinary college without um, doing you know course anatomy, dog anatomy, uh, bird anatomy, um, cow anatomy. They're all different, the diseases of of those species and and different uh, requirements um, in treating them. And you can't go through the programs without um, having real world hands-on experiences uh, with a broad range of species. That said, if that's all you ever did um, to prepare yourself at the time you graduated, it's probably not enough. Mm-hmm. So you need to you need to concentrate um, and focus down in both your clinical experiences at college, but also the times when you're doing externships or Summer vacations. Uh, there are a lot of opportunities to uh, both broaden and deepen um, your experiences before you graduate. And then, depending on what you plan on doing as a as a graduate veterinarian, there may be some um, additional requirements. In other words, for for many uh, research programs, if you're really going to be successful, they look for a PhD. Okay. If you want to be in in public health, uh, an MPH, uh, Masters of Public Health. Um, doesn't hurt, and many. Um, if you want to teach, you probably need uh, either a PhD or uh, uh, to be specialty boarded in a specific um, uh, specialty, mm-hmm. like path- like pathology or parasitology or dermatology, and so forth. So there may be advanced training um, uh, after graduation that's required for for many of uh, many of these positions.
0: And again, I think that that's great stuff for, for the people listening to hear just to understand the, the different avenues. And, and you know, like you said in some cases it might not hurt. It's not going to hurt ever, but just maybe have that step up over your competition. As you said, it's it's a very interesting field. And I think a lot of people uh, really are looking into it. And a lot of the numbers say there's going to be, you know, a lot of jobs moving forward with that as well. Now you did mention, you know, sort of you know, externships or internships, extracurriculars, maybe that can help out, sort of get at that experience. What what sort of things would you suggest to um, to people who are interested in the veterinary practices? What kind of things they could do to get that experience if they, you know, have only worked with say some some pets of their that kind of thing?
1: Well, one is to to re- uh, to recognize pretty early on that the job of being a veterinarian can. Sometimes be very different from the the fantasy of of what it's like to be a veterinarian. <laughs> uh, it, it's it's unfortunate. There are very few sort of pop culture um, depictions of veterinarians that have have ever seemed, uh, at least to veterinarians, um, very compelling or very realistic. Probably the closest one is All Creatures Great Great and Small, um, but unfortunately, that's a different country and a different time, so it doesn't necessarily <laughs> reflect. What most of us are doing uh, today in the U.S. So, in order to to better understand what the job is, um, it's great to find um, either a summer job or or an after school job um, or an an internship, but but something that that puts you in contact with the job that you're considering, um, because you'll you'll understand much better what the job requires and uh, what it demands and and what it uh, offers in terms of uh, both uh, emotional and and, um, and and physical rewards.
0: It's interesting you bring up the idea of, you know, maybe the veterinarians you see on TV or, or movies. We've had a lot of different people in, in different professions say the same thing. Like, man, it it's just a complete uh, disconnect between the realities of, you know, what your profession might be versus what they show. And obviously it's for entertainment value, but uh, I guess it is what it is. And that's why we have these shows t- to help people understand.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It, it, it's, I think it's even tougher for veterinarians because you know one of the things that that's sort of a truism, but, but not a truism, is that you know the number one thing is you have to love animals. Mm-hmm. And and although that's true, I mean, you really do have to love animals. That's really not enough because there's almost no animal that veterinarians take care of that doesn't come with a with a person attached to it. Sure. And so you better love people too, <laughs> um, or you're not going to be very successful because if you can't understand people, if you can't communicate with them, if you can't develop the same rapport with people that you need to be able to develop with animals, um, you're not going to do a very good job. You're not going to be very fulfilled and um, uh, and and you're not going to be successful in the long run,
0: well, since you brought that up, let's sort of jump into that side of things a little bit. Um, the idea of maybe, what skills? What personality traits would you say are essential? I mean, you mentioned sort of the you know, the love, so to speak, of of working with animals and really working with people as well. Uh, I guess what what sort of things would you point out to the job seeker that they need to hone in terms of their skills, or what kind of personality would really fit well uh, in becoming a veterinarian?
1: So, as I said, you got gotta love animals, and um, and it's it's really helpful to to hone your your physical um, skills with them hmm. uh, to get to understand them to be able to work with them uh, efficiently, effectively, safely, um, and also without fear. It's one of the things that, that people probably don't necessarily recognize if they're thinking about their own pet, for whom they probably have no fear.
0: Sure.
1: Um, and veterinarians handle a lot of animals, um, many of whom are in uh, physical pain, maybe in mental distress, maybe very fearful. And most of our patients have claws and teeth and Um, or they're large. Um, And um, so you have to be able to work with them. And and to do that effectively, you you have to have experience with them. So so if you have a a particular uh, interest, uh, developing uh, physical skills with that particular species can be very, very helpful. Um, I've been a uh, companion animal veterinarian really all of my career, but I've also spent a fair amount of time working with uh, both laboratory animals and and cattle uh, uh dairy cattle and i feel quite comfortable around them even to these today um i still feel uncomfortable around horses um <laughs> i, can, know, yeah, I, I, I can went see through that. i went through school you know did all of that uh, and in fact i was at the uh i was down in lexington this weekend um uh visiting uh stud farms and, and attended the the kentucky derby sure but um and the animals are beautiful, but they're large and, and I just don't have the, I don't have the the background with them uh, to be comfortable around them. So you need to have that sort of direct skill. You need the physical skills. Um, Most, most veterinary jobs, um, uh, unless we're talking about policy development, uh, if they do, uh, if it doesn't involve working with animals, um, uh, there are, there's a physical skill set that that's necessary. So it's, you know, you can't be a surgeon if you don't have, you know, the the right hands. So, so you can't actually, you know, practice and 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 build up that kind of manual de- dexterity. Veterinarians need to be able to think critically, and um, while that's important in probably any job you can imagine, um, veterinarians um, operate, uh, at least in clinical environments, in a way that I always characterize as being um, uh, too little information, too little too few resources, too little money, too little time, and you still have to make decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, you still have to move on. Um, and so you don't, get, um, you don't get two hours to think about something uh, because you've got, you know, three other clients in the waiting room. Um, and so you need to be able to, um, to have that kind of skill set, which is um, the ability to, to make decisions and, and move on.
0: Well, along the same lines with this, you know, myself and some colleagues talked about the idea of trying to communicate. You know, obviously the the human that brings the, the the animal in may be able to help you in some regards. But I guess how do you go about really reading or understanding maybe the pain that the animal's going through or what the problem is when you you can't effectively communicate like you can, you know, with another person? Is it a feel thing? Is it is it just reading? I mean, some sort of reaction they have. How do you go about that process?
1: That that's part of when I said you need to have the experience with the species mm-hmm. that that you're working with. You know that it's not quite an innate ability. Um, it really is a learned skill. Uh, we've, you know we we've, we become more and more aware um, both on the on the human medical side, but also uh, lately on the veterinary medical side about how important communication with people is mm-hmm. are uh, and and that in fact that is a learnable skill set. You can practice it. Um, you can see videos that that let you understand what's going on in somebody else's um, head, and you can listen more effectively uh, to know what they're telling you and and what they're looking for back from you. The same thing happens with animals, and of course, it doesn't happen you know quite with verbally, uh, although it may be orally. I mean, they may do something, <laughs> right. say something, or or growl, or but 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 things like you know. Ear set and and um, mouth set and and uh, um, you know what their their physical um, you know body language is um, is telling you things and um, and you need to you need to learn to to listen to those those uh, those cues and pick them up so that it's important to. If you go to a lot of driver's school, they talk about seat time as being really important. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can learn stuff online, you can watch videos, but but at the end of the day, you need enough time in that seat to put it in practice. Sure. So so I think for for um, for people going through a veterinary program or pre-veterinary program, uh, the more time you have to develop those skills, the more seat time you have, the better. Uh, but it's also um, important to have didactic and, and um, real world experiences focused on training you to make the most of the information that, that you get from the from the environment.
0: Well, we are going to have to take a little bit of a break here with our guest, Dr. Douglas Aspros on I Want to Be a Veterinarian here on LJN Radio. Of course, if you want to listen to part two of this conversation, just head over to localjobnetwork.com slash radio slash list. In the upper left-hand corner, just type in, I want to be a veterinarian, and part two will come right up for you. In the meantime, if you have any comments or suggestions for any of our podcasts, just email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Yuma. We'll talk to you later.